What's up, everybody? This is another episode of Pretty Much Adult Podcast with me, your host, Michaela, and I have my dad back for this episode. And this episode, we're talking about therapy, um, kind of like the, I don't know, what's the word for it? Like, not the qualms, but like, what is it? You know the word I'm saying? Like, it's not like a stereotype but it's something it's all the the nuances and conversations and yeah resistance to about being like i don't know i think specifically being like just brown or black and also going to therapy or like even being like a male and going to therapy i think there's some weird nuances about that too Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i know that you're a strong advocate for going to therapy and so am i i i personally think everybody should go whether or not you think you have a problem or not (laughs) i think it's just something about going to someone who's like completely objective about your situation in life is objective is the word i want or subject objective is okay true completely objective about what's going on in your life and kind of helping you work your own things out. I think, you know, going to your friends is fine. Going to your family members is fine, but they have their own expectations and wants for you. And that's a lot of the time reflected in advice that they give. Yeah. A lot of times advice is what, that like the, like if I gave you advice, it would be what I would do exactly, or what I think for you because you're my child. I think of you in a different way. If I was your friend, that'd be something different. Yeah. If we were, you know, just um, colleagues at work, that'd be something different. So mm-hmm. need that objective eye and someone who's kind of trained to guide you through unpacking your own issues and having you see them and having you make the choice. Because I think a lot of what happens with therapy is the stereotypes they see in the media or on, uh, you know, on TV. Mm-hmm. I think the big one, you know, just to go figure, is the rogue cop that is dodging therapy. Like, yeah. I, I remember that Lethal Weapon. That was, like, one of the biggest tropes. Is like, Mel Gibson, his cr- character was psychotic. He was suicidal <laughs> yeah. and psychotic. But, like, I think at one point in the series, they were like, he would just dodge her. He would make up stuff always dodger and then she would seem like the bumbling mm-hmm. idiot trying to get him to work on his issue mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know i i don't know where you kind of wanted to where you kind of wanted to start with this i had to say dive into it i mean where do you want to start i don't know sure. i don't know i just well, let's let's talk about the, the history the history of <laughs> sorry i'm making therapy. noise no, no, well no. not even the history of therapy because i'm again i'm no expert mm-hmm. i'm trained more in counseling techniques mm-hmm. uh, as far as like problem solving skills or anger management or, you know, you know, meditation right. and mindfulness, things like that. But, you know, you, I think you, you get to a point to where there's thought patterns or behaviors that you engage in that you can engage in that are just not productive or conducive to your well-being, well-being around those of you. I mean, well-being of those around you. Right. So you think about, okay. Um, I was even thinking about drugs, right? Mm-hmm. So why do people use drugs? Like, why do people drink? Why do people shop? Why do people, are, like, even they talk about hypersexualization mm-hmm. or um, I forgot the inverse of that where you're asexual. You know, people can look at things as, it's okay. Drink, smoke, shop a lot. Yeah. You know, do what I do. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. People around me, oh, I'm okay. They think I'm okay. I'm the life of the party, whatever. At some point, your relationships suffer. Your health can suffer. Or your financial when status it comes to the addiction part of that, well, like doing that in excess or just period. I'm thinking just uh, well, I'm using that as an example yep. of those of so-called vices, those mm-hmm. behaviors that at some point you're going to have to change them, right? right? So you can be inside your own head, or you can engage in behaviors, or you can have these interactions with um, either your loved ones or your family that just start causing issues. And you can look at it like, hey, this is just who I am. You know, this, this is my personality or what it is. Yeah. At some point, they're going to cause strife in your life. Um, even when you become self-reflective, it's like, okay, this is not where I want to be. Why am I alone or why am I unhappy or why am I broke or why are things not moving? And then at some point, somebody's like, you know what? You know, maybe you should talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So depending on how your family views therapy or your experiences with it, 
you know, you might not have had a good therapist or somebody, you know, might not have had a good therapist. I'd hear a lot of people say I went therapy once and uh, I didn't, it didn't work. But I feel like it's, it's like a lot of things. Like I hear like, you know, when you deal with mental illness and you need medication, you don't get it right the very first time. Like it Mm -hmm. takes, it's basically like practice. You have to take like the right type of drugs. I think that therapy is kind of the same idea as when people are taking like antidepressants or any Mm -hmm. other medications for mental illness that it takes a few tries to kind of get it right. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to not like your therapist at first, especially like your first go around, like, and it's really a mutual thing. Like you really have to want to talk to this person. And if it takes a couple people to figure that out, like Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to have to do. Well, and there's a big difference between feeling like you need to go and wanting to go. Right. Wanting to be heard or try to figure out what's going on. Because I think once you get to a point where, you know what, I'm going to go as opposed, I should go. I know that sounds weird. It's such a a, a small nuance, but I think you, you and your mind have exhausted things and things aren't working. And then now you're becoming more either more frustrated or more disillusioned with the idea of life itself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's not even from a standpoint of being overly like depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know, you can be overly anxious or there's things in your relationships that aren't working and you feel like maybe you need a mediator Mm -hmm. or you just, you know, or you kind of want to talk to somebody to kind of say, okay, am I crazy? I hate to say that word, but is something, am I looking at this the wrong way or is it, I'm right. Yeah. And sometimes people want to he- want to be validated in their thoughts. And when their therapist doesn't do that, they're like, this isn't for me. This yeah. isn't for me. Or they're not willing to share the stuff. Cause one, the good, what would always blow my mind about one of the therapists I went to, cause I went through, a, went through a few, um, for different reasons. Um, I just was amazed at how much he remembered what we would talk about from the last time. Yeah. And I'm like, how does he remember all this? Yeah, stuff? my therapist doesn't write anything down. They don't. He didn't write and anything down. And every time, down. like the next week, she'd be like, "So you were talking about whatever, whatever, whatever." And I was like, "How do you remember that?" Mm-hmm. And I was I like, "I didn't even remember." I told that's you that. the sign. Of, I think of a good therapist. Yeah. And, and just really beginning to weave those pieces. Um, there's also um, there's also techniques that are more. Um, tactile I guess you can say in nature like I know there was a technique and I, I forgot what it's called right offhand where my therapist had me hold these two like they look like pebbles but they had wires on them and they would vibrate in succession so the right hand would vibrate and the left hand would vibrate and he kind of to- turned it down and said you know just until you can barely feel it and then let me know until you can barely feel it and I'm gonna turn it up a little bit and then they're just gonna they're gonna vacillate they're gonna go back and forth and then he had me visualize being on a train and then going through some of the parts of my childhood. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, and then, you know, unpacking, I'm trying to unpack this, this, these, these issues mm-hmm. d- using his technique, but then it took me somewhere else. I'm like, wait a second, I'm, I'm dealing with this other stuff. He's, he's mm-hmm. telling me to go through your childhood and da, 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 tell me about your mom and you know how you felt when these things happened. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, wait, I'm, I just realized I have an issue with just my, not the path he took me on, but something else. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you have to express, hey, you know what? This is what I've been kind of trying to unpack. Mm -hmm. And they steer you. So, I mean, it it took me a long time to find that guy. And then long story short, it was just hard for me to keep my appointments up. Yeah. But I I gained a lot. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think. Again, I still think everyone should go to therapy, whether it's for a short term or long term. Um, I really think that there's something beneficial to just like sitting for 45 minutes to an hour and just kind of like having somebody listen to you. Um, My therapist is really good at not telling me the solutions to my problems, but making me work it out myself, which is a tool that I asked her for. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think when I started going... It was when I was like depressed and I had super, super high anxiety. And I was like, I can't deal with this. Mm. Like I'm super stressed at work. Like I'm depressed because I'm here by myself. Like, and I need to go talk to somebody. Mm. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know getting the process of getting into therapy and like seeing someone is a long process. I think it took months Mm. for me to finally find someone that I wanted. And I had very specific 
requirements. Like mm. I wanted a female mm. and I wanted her to be black mm-hmm. because I wanted to have that relation. And I just didn't think that I would get that with anybody else. And I think I, I've also heard too, that like what people seek in therapy is like what they're, it's like some sort of like, I don't know. I heard it on a different podcast. They were mm. talking about like, I don't know. It's, it's maybe like a, like a character figure that you're searching for Mm. or like someone who you're trying to get this like wisdom advice from, like that's the type of person that you end up searching for. Like Mm. I have a friend who said she has like a male, like a white male Mm. and like her issues are kind of with her dad. So Mm. like, that's why she, I think is connecting a lot with her therapist. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting to think about, but who knows? But that was just my Mm. thing. I knew I wanted someone who was like black and a female and she just so happens to be older so she's kind of like a grandmother Mm. figure in a sense like when i'm talking to her it's very much like i feel like i'm talking to mother sometimes Mm, and it's a little weird yeah so i'm like oh yeah like because she's very blunt and she's Mm -hmm. very to the point and she kind of curses like a sailor sometimes too so i'm just like yeah that works yeah and it's funny what as you were talking about that i'm thinking about my first experience with a counseling setting or therapeutic setting actually i think i told this story probably not now when i got caught with a wine cooler did i tell you story when i got caught no. with the wine cooler in middle school no <laughs> so okay i'm trying to make this really quick because i don't want to make this a long podcast all right yeah i think i was in the ninth grade because middle school went to ninth grade uh, we were still getting we were still doing busing so we were we went to school with a bunch of white kids in Reseda. Reseda's close to like chatsworth and uh, um, San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. the northern end of San Fernando Valley. Um, cool school. It was magnet school, cool kids, all this other stuff. So some of our friends that graduate went on to high school from the year before, sometimes they would come visit us. I guess they would have like a short day or something. So they'd come visit the teacher, visit their friends. So we had no, it, we still had lockers back then. So no, we didn't care about sharing lockers because what we liked to do was share lockers with friends that were close to our classes so we didn't have to walk so far, you know, go grab my books and walk across campus. So one of the guys I was sharing a locker with, he walked up to me right before first period and said, hey, you know, so-and-so gave me this wine cooler. And I said, I can't, I don't have my bag. I can't get to my locker. He said, just keep it in your locker. I was like, okay, cool. And so what I did is I opened, I had this weird, like it was almost like a bowling bag. My mm-hmm. mom would always repurpose stuff because we didn't have any money. I think I had a bowling bag for my for my book bag. So okay, throw it in there, threw it in my locker, didn't think nothing of it. I mean, you're talking six periods go by. <laughs> and then... All of a sudden, one of the administrators comes in and he said, hey, you come with me. I'm like, all right. I'm just walking, not even thinking anything of it. And I'm just walking and, hey, I'm talking, waving to people. Like, <laughs> I'm not worried about yeah. nothing. I think they just going to talk to me about something. And he said, hey, um, do you have anything in your locker you're not supposed to have? And I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm like, wait. <laughs> I do have something. I was like, how'd you find out? I was like, just curious. And then he tried to like yell, like, don't worry about it. You're a big trouble. You shouldn't have that. Man, it was crazy. It's like they called my friend in. Um, I guess I don't know how they found out. Big old interrogation. They even threatened to call the police and dust it for fingerprints for the simple fact that I couldn't remember if he handed it to me or if he put it in my bag and I closed the bag and put it. I said, I, took, I was like, I took possession of alcohol. I'm in trouble. I have to take the consequence. Right. But they were like, we need to know if you touched it. Why? It was the weirdest thing. It was like the vice principal and the administrator picked me up. And then they started like started grilling us and yelling at us. I'm like, I don't remember. It's yeah. like, because my friend was like, no, remember I handed it to you. Like, no, I remember because I opened the handles of the bag and you put it in there. Long story. Uh, got suspended for a couple of days. I thought my grandmother was going to kill me. Mm-hmm. She she was like, what? Why call it? That's nothing. Just, <laughs> you know, that's how she was because yeah. she knew I was basically a good kid. I yeah. really didn't cause a lot of problems. So part of the conditions of me coming back to school is I had to do this like four week, um, like substance abuse kind of class. And I remember it must've been like some college students that ran it. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was me, the guy that gave me the wine cooler and a couple other kids in the class. And we would just sit in a group format and we talk about feelings and emotion. I mean, it wasn't like you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. It was more like why we got here type of situation. Well, I think more than anything, it was more, it was like a sharing group. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I thought was really cool when I worked for Central Unified is they trained us in the um, SAP program, which is student assistance program. It's like a counseling model. And that one of the models is just, you get a group of kids together and you just work through just sharing your feelings when you're ready and you run it 
and then you start it again. And whoever wants to stay can stay, and people can come and go as they want to. So even in middle school, I had that experience of just sitting in front of someone else I really don't know. The first time it was a group setting. Right. And I just remember just, I just have like fond memories that I had to stay after school and catch the bus home late, but it was kind of cool. We did it once a week. Um, did it a few more times here and there. And just after that, it was always a matter of wanting to be heard. Like, I'm, I'm feeling just this way about something. Am I wrong? And almost like I wanted to be validated. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to know that what I'm thinking is not wrong because I'm feeling like it's not, even though it's not helping my situation, this is, I want to be validated so I can see like, yeah. And I can even think about with, you know, the counseling I went through with your mom or with Isaiah or whoever. It's like, I, I would even sit back and say, this is not what I wanted this to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted this to be more of like, I want to be right. Honestly, I wanted to be right because I wanted to say, hey, this is what I think. But I just wanted to also have a back and forth. So I would honestly say group counseling is like, eh, it's better to work on yourself first. I feel like this is me. in a group setting, you would be more inclined not to share exactly what you want to share. I agree. In fear of like, what other people are going to think. Cause like mm-hmm. that was the first thing that was recommended to me when I went to my psychiatrist, mm-hmm. when she was like writing my medication, she's like, we do group like group sessions here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it wasn't really like therapy. It was just like pretty much what you were explaining. Like mm-hmm. a group of people would get together and talk about like what's going on and like how you can cope with what's going on. And I'm just like, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I didn't mm-hmm. really want to do that, mm-hmm. but she was offering me that in the meantime while I found mm-hmm. a therapist, but I never went. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't. Man, I know my um my first really big reason to go and seek out, like I think about all the other times I went, it was just things were overwhelming. But like I started having like major anxiety and panic attacks. And I was talking to one of my coworkers say, like, you know, you should really go to kid therapy. I was like, mm, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a professional. I don't need to go. I can figure this out. Yeah. And what, what was cool is, is my job had what was called the employee assistant program, employee, employee assistance program. So you basically got five free sessions. Just go talk to some guys, talk to somebody, just kind of get your feet wet and see if it's what you want to do. Um, and that was pretty cool. He gave me like some stress reduction techniques and some mindfulness things to do and some like things to be centered in the moment. Cause, cause he really just talked about like what he briefly talked about what anxiety was. I did my five sessions like, Oh, that really didn't work. You know, I thought it would work and then it didn't. And then at one point, I got on medication and I was like, okay. And I remember actually a long time ago, I had got on, just got on medication period. And I had a good friend say, uh, you shouldn't, this is pretty heavy stuff. Like, are you sure you want to take this? Like, can you, you want to do something different before you do this? And so, um, then, and then recently, I, I mean more, not recently further in the future, I got on meds and then was like, okay, it's working. I'm cool. And it's like, okay, it's not working anymore. So I think just my experiences in life through like, trauma and stress and trying to take meds when you were on medication were you just on medication or were you doing medication and therapy the first the very very first time just meds which was when i worked at a drug rehab Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i was just super stressed out um and i remember just being just so like just drained of energy and just slurring my words Mm and I remember one time we were at the dinner table and I was looking across from you and like everybody was looking at me like so weird. And I was like, well, I don't want to do this no more. And, you know, I had a friend tell me like, hey, maybe you don't need this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't. Maybe it's all in my head. Um, But the second time, same thing on medication, no therapy. And that's when I said, this is an environmental thing. This is it's 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 environmental, it's mental, it's chemical imbalance, whatever it is. I can't do one without the other. I had to make that determination for myself. Yeah. So, you know, meds are kind of like the reset when you're just really, your head's really, really spinning or your thoughts are spinning or your emotions or your, your physical being is just off. But, um, I'm always going to recommend you have to have some sort of therapeutic component. Yeah. That was what my psychiatrist, that was the first thing she's like, when we were talking about going to medicate, going through the process of taking medication, I told her I didn't want to because mm. I, you know, I've heard bad things. Mm. I've like never taken medication before. So I was like, no, nah, I don't really know like mm. how I feel about it. And she was like, well, like I'll start you on the lowest dosage. She's like, but like we always recommend taking medication and doing therapy. Mm. She's like, we've noticed like there's all these statistics about how those two things combined are like 
the best thing for mm-hmm. mental health. And I keep seeing documentaries about it. Mm-hmm. Like we were just watching um, The Mind Explained on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And one of them was about like therapy and stuff. And they were talking about the rates in which people were getting better, quote unquote, between like meditation, mm-hmm. medication, and then therapy. And they said that all of the rates were like kind of similar, you know, like one was a little bit more than the other, but they noticed that the combination of like, the three is like the best thing that you can mm. do for yourself. So I, I've always been one like, you know, therapy, therapy, but you had, like you said, you really have to kind of kiss a lot of frogs and really go into the dating pool of therapists to kind of figure out who's going to work for you. And, you know, not to say that I didn't have bad ones. It's just, we didn't click like something about yeah. their personality. Um, and even in situations where we did some family stuff, I'm like, I really don't, I'm not I, like my thoughts are being validated, but it seems like it's at the sake of something else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, you have to be comfortable. It's, it's really a, re- a relationship. Definitely, it really yeah. is. And you have to even be careful about how you can become so dependent on your therapist. If you become too close to them because they have some sort of place in your heart. Um, I haven't had that experience and I don't think it happens that much, but um, I recall situations when, oh, I can tell you a little quick story. Um, when I was at Fresno State, as an undergrad psych major, part of our, part of the requirement of our counseling class was to allow was to allow a master level student do a couple of counseling sessions with me, with us. So I went and I'm just talking and I'm telling her what what frustrates me in life and these issues and da da da. And I forgot how many sessions we did. And I you know I enjoy going. Lady was nice. I kind of had like some kind of some kind of judgment of her based on a number of things. And I would, my point is, I, it doesn't make sense for me to tell you everybody's going to have their own thing. It can be a little nuance. It mm-hmm. can be their jewelry, yeah. um, the way the way they talk, their affect. I was a little standoffish anyway, and then I got comfortable. And I think the last session, she said, <laughs> she said, you know, you really have an issue. You have abandonment issues when it comes to women. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Got my face. <laughs> like whatever, lady. I told you the issues yeah, and they yeah, ain't yeah. it. And I swear it was probably sheesh. Maybe like five, six years. I was like, oh, she was right. Yeah. <laughs> now that you're processing. Like, it. but it's like I just. But it's just so interesting how I just chose just to take that information. It's like, mm, yeah. Nope. Yeah. That ain't it. And I think that's what's key. It's like. It's 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 like a therapy is like a reverse vacation. It's like you're you're gonna go 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 with how your mind processes its reality, and at some point it's just gonna be too much to deal with. It's almost like you need a brain break, and you take that time once a week for forty five fifty minutes and just kind of unpack where you're at at that point. Um, so it's like oh yeah you know because I've had these these pivotal women that I've been close to that have left for one reason or another, mainly because they died. Right. So it's like, okay, I had my, my favorite little baby cousin who I love to death. She mm-hmm. got hit by a car and she died. Mm-hmm. And then great grandmother passed away and my mom passed away. So it's like, I've had these, this, and then when you start wanting to date and be in relationships mm-hmm. and how difficult that can be, the lo- the, the loss of a relationship mm-hmm. or someone you're close to. So it's like, Oh yeah, that, mm-hmm. That, that can cause problems. <laughs> I can see that that would <laughs> yeah. be an issue. Yeah. All the way back there. And just to understand what that means. And then you got to kind of work on it. Yeah. And this is not about my therapy thing. It's about anybody listening. It's that, you know, as we come up as children, things happen to us. And we might not see them as big deals or we might see them as normal. They might be incredibly traumatic or they could be small things. But I think that people have a limit, just like a cup that gets filled up. At some point, stuff is going to overflow, and the job is to kind of make sense of what's in that cup, pour out, you know, not the best metaphor, Mm -hmm. but just to kind of manage it Mm -hmm. so you know where you're at, and then it doesn't make your life difficult, and therapy really helps because it's really an objective way to just be heard and actually have your thoughts given back to you. Like you, you're unpacking it and, and you know, they'll say, well, what I'm hearing you say is so what it sounds like. And then they say, well, how did that make you feel? And that's like the running joke that in, in a lot of the, the media that mm-hmm. we see, but that's so important. Mm-hmm. This most important thing you can do is like, how did that make me feel? Yeah. How did it affect me then? And how is it affecting me now? I, cause I think that's something that people don't even reflect on, on a day to day. 
is like really like checking in with yourself and saying like this happened and this is upsetting me and like why is this upsetting me so much like what is this stemming from like why did i blow up about xyz and kind of working that out i think is is something that people don't do they're kind of just like well i was mad and i don't know why and I hear a lot of people say, well, this is my therapy or that is my therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, shopping or working out. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. That's I don't want to take away that from you if it works. But if the issues keep coming back, people are going to get tired of dealing with you. I yeah. mean, if, if you're difficult, if they're difficult issues, just to be honest, some people can kind of manage it. And if you can manage it, you might yeah. be okay. I don't know. I just think about people who are like, self-destructive and it doesn't necessarily affect other people directly mm-hmm. but it's like seeing people who like have these pattern behaviors that ruin their own lives i'm mm-hmm. just like do you not realize that this is a problem like you do mm-hmm. this on purpose mm-hmm. and i'm just like you should probably talk to somebody about like why you keep doing these things mm-hmm. like why are you you know like searching for these things that aren't benefiting you or like making you happy so i don't know well some people well, some sometimes you're taught that you know life is tough and this is just a part of life and you just got to suck it up. But like, remember we were watching um what efforts for family mm-hmm. and like I forgot the context, but the girl was like, like Dad, I, I feel something weird inside of my body, and he said, "Those are emotions, sweetheart. Just push them down. <laughs> just push them down." <laughs> That's like always <laughs> yeah. something like that. But it's true. It's like people aren't even ta- people aren't even. Like, a, like as from childhood, you're taught to suppress your emotions. Don't cry. Yeah. And, and I would always tell people like laughing and crying are some of the most automatic emotions that humans can convey. It's like if something's funny, even if it's jacked up, you might laugh, but then you're taught, hey, that, that's not funny. You shouldn't laugh at that. And the same thing with crying. It's like if something tugs at your emotions that makes you cry, first thing you but like we went through, I don't even know why I'm crying. Yeah. But is there's something that goes fling and yeah. it's like, yep, these, these emotions have to come out. So I think they're, they're healthy. Whether you're laughing or crying, it's very healthy to do both, mm-hmm. but no, don't, don't, don't show love towards somebody. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't show weakness. Don't, don't do this. But yeah. what are you supposed to do? You're telling people what not to do, but you're not telling them what you should do to deal yeah. with it. Where do you think that whole trope of like, quote unquote, being strong and like not needing therapy came from. Like, why do you think that's so instilled in like culture? In our culture? Just general. I think it's it's spread through many cultures, but I guess we can speak on just ours. I don't know. Um, I think it's always the idea of that's their problem. If you can if you can look at it culturally, like even like, again, the lethal weapon analogy or mm-hmm. like in culture. But I even remember when I was younger, I was telling people I'm going to I'm going into psychology. I would have like a lot of black. Women. Oh, God, good. We need that. No, we need mm-hmm. people like you. Um, and then I saw something earlier today. It's like, well, you know, it's pretty heavy. You know, we have our own things to deal with. Yeah. And now I'm taking on the other people's, other people's yeah. issues. Like, how do you process that? And my uncle would say, you know, the best therapists have their own therapists. So, yeah, and I, I believe that's true. Um, so where does that come from? You know what? I, I think at some point it's been designated as a weakness to go to someone else with your problems. With your it's like you, you keep family, you keep the business of the family right. at home. Maybe it was a defense mechanism. I got so much dirt and trauma and ugliness in my family. I don't want anybody knowing what's yeah. going on. Yeah. How do I know they won't tell other people what's going on? How yeah. do I know this is confidential? Um, if this gets out, it will destroy my family. There's things that, you know, if this person in my family starts talking about, somebody's going to have to know because what was done was illegal or immoral. Right. I mean, there's there's levels to it. So yeah. um, I, I hate to say, I think that's a part of it. It's like, I got to hide the dirt yeah. because it's just so dirty. Yeah, that makes sense. And, I, and I'm hoping that like, because I keep seeing people say like, our generation, like millennials and like beyond, mm-hmm. what are they, the Zers, Gen mm-hmm. Zs, we're more open to like going to therapy and like talking about our feelings and like, you know, like mm-hmm. addressing things head on. And it's like generations before that were kind of taught to suppress those things, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. And I, and I always wondered like why that possibly is, like what mm-hmm. it was about the culture of those generations or like how they were raised. But I just, you know, I think about like, a lot of older adults and how they just like don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like I remember 
someone was saying like i just don't understand how every all like the millennials and gen zers are depressed like how are all of them depressed i was like it's very likely that you guys were also depressed you just didn't deal with it Mm. like you're just not openly talking about how you were depressed yeah and like i don't know i just think about like when mom was saying she's like yeah like i'm pretty sure like my mom dealt with depression but you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. something that they actually dealt with or like you know got help for and i think another thing too is sometimes you don't have time to be depressed yeah i have so many things to do and i think about like the periods where i was just working so much and i mean and i hated it but it's like i have to do this i have to make sure this is done for to fulfill the the legacy of not being the lazy black non-provider male (laughs) you know what i mean so i was like i gotta bring money in this house at all times and no matter what it takes and so if I, when I would have like these issues of anxiety and panic, I'm like, I got stuff to do. I don't, I have time for this. Yeah. And then I'd be not understanding really what it was. I'm like, okay, now I'm angry. So I would go through all these different emotions. Mm-hmm. Like I'm angry. And then they, and then the idea that anxiety is treated usually with antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's weird. What, well, how does that work? Yeah. I remember when my uh, psychiatrist was telling me, she's like, yeah, like we're going to give you whatever, whatever. And it's an antidepressant. I was like, for anxiety? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any doesn't sense. doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. That's weird. And I also think it's so crazy how I just saw on that same Mind Explained short little documentary that like anxiety is like the number one mental illness that everybody has. But mm. it's also the number one thing. It's not treated. It's just dealt with like you've learned the tools how Mm. to deal with your anxiety Mm. which honestly is like kind of a bummer if you really think about Mm. it because i don't know i i think when i first started going to therapy i was like this is going to fix all my problems like Mm. i'm never going to feel like this ever again Mm. and this is going to be fine (laughs) and that was like the first thing that she told me she's like that's not true like let's get that out of your head right now like we're just going to teach you the tools like how to deal with it in the future and i was like yeah so this is for, so this is forever is what you're telling me like this yeah. is how it's gonna be, so that was kind of hard to like process. Yeah, and and maybe that's some of the misnomer too is that you go to therapy to be fixed, right? And it's like, it's almost like my mind has reached a certain expansion. It's just like when you're a little kid and you, you the only thing you know is your house and school and outside, and then you go somewhere else. Like, I remember, I know I'm always telling stories. The first time I went to uh, the Midwest to visit my relatives, the first time I ever saw fireflies, mm-hmm. that blew my mind. And we were catching them in jars and we were just looking at them. And, the, and our relatives were like, well, these are just firebugs. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're fireflies. No, we call them firebugs out here. And just, and I kept that memory my entire life. I mean, just, I walked out on the porch and, and it's like, they, what? Flying lights. Yeah. What? And I'm like, okay, so now you have a new experience. So imagine that that was pleasurable. So now you have experiences that are uncomfortable. And like, I'm always going to go back to it. Now on our phones, we have situations where it's uncomfortable. So how do you manage, manage all of that? Well, I need to go process it. What does it mean? You know, and wh- why, why am I feeling this way in this moment? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm kind of rambling. No, no. But I um, so it, it's, it's just different levels to it. And it's okay. And it, it is going to be lifelong. And then you are going to learn how to manage. And you're going to learn how to let stuff go too. Yeah. And I think too, there's like a number of things I think people should kind of know before they go to therapy is like the number one thing. It's like it's not going to fix all your problems, but it's definitely going to help you figure out your own shit and mm-hmm. like how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you don't have to do it forever. It's No, no. I would definitely say it's a start. It can easily be a start stop thing. The only downside is with insurance, you can get a good one. And if you fall out of that network or mm-hmm. you, if he stops taking patients, you might not get a good one for a while. So yeah. I was trying to go back and I just couldn't make coordinated with my schedule. And then something weird happened where they had a fire at their office <laughs> and then they moved. And then I was trying to get back and I couldn't coordinate the schedule. But yeah. I mean, I had a couple of meetings and the, the lady seemed really nice. So, um, but I've, I've only interacted with like maybe two African-American male counselors or therapists since I've had my adventure in life. So yeah. they always say that there needs to be more. 
but I, I can't mm. imagine. Well, mm. that was what I originally went to school for. I went mm. to school. My idea was to be a psychiatrist. That's mm. what I wanted to do. Mm. I wanted to talk to people and write medications. Like mm. that was my thing. Mm. And then I started to go to school and I was like, oh, maybe I'll be like a family psych- psychologist. Mm. So I was like, oh, I kind of like the family counseling dynamic. Like mm. I was always interested in like the parents dynamics with kids and like how they interact with each other and like you know parents have their issues kids have their issues and how that's dealt with and then i just remember you were like i don't think you're gonna like it i don't think you're gonna like it and I'm then i took I well no really. i took a psychology class and i was like i don't like oh, okay, this good. like and i knew i, I liked <laughs> psychology i mean i didn't even care about school yeah i mean i was just making my way through until i took my first uh psychology class her um her name was lacey barnes i think that was her name african-american lady she was an Olympian at Reedley College. I think she was like a adjunct professor or something. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened one of the counselors at well, was Kings River at the time. Now it's Reedley, um, African American male. And I would see him around the street. I'd see him in the neighbor, like riding around Fresno. Something. Oh yeah, that guy. So I mean, I had a connection with it. And those are like the first books I would the t- the text I would actually sit and read. Right. Like I'd read all the way through. See, I had a professor who I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I had that one guy. At Fresno State, he's like a karate guy. I know you're talking about. I could not stand him. And he I, was the worst. And I actually love that guy to death I when I had him. That's so crazy that we had the same so teacher. <laughs> and, I, and I think it was just, I don't know. For me, I was just like, I feel like he's trying to make my life difficult on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was. Like, that was his thing. He was okay. just like, this isn't an easy class. Uh-huh. And I had a bunch of friends in that class. So, like, I had all these things, reasons why I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I think I kind of thought about it. And I was like, I'm... I'm an empath. And mm. I was like, I just don't think I could separate that. Mm. Like, I don't, I think what I thought was like, oh, I love giving people advice and I love listening mm. to people talk about their problems, mm. but I have a hard time separating like how I feel about other people's problems and oh, how I okay. feel about how other people feel. So I was like, I don't think I could do this professionally. So that's why I ended up not doing it. And then I found PR and I found there's like psychology mm. in that. Oh, so yeah. I was just like, okay, like this works. You found your path. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if I could go, if I can turn back time, I would still try and do it Okay. because I think it was a, it was a number of things. I didn't really want to try hard in school mm. and I was like, mm, this is going to be a lot of school. <laughs> so it's it's going like, to be a lot. Yeah. That's so it no was doubt. a number of things. I was like, yeah, I'll just do something else. But all right. Well, I, I, don't, I know there's more to it. I would say, I want to ask you a question though. Mm-hmm. So in your experience with your pseudo therapeutic role for your friends, what, what advice would you give to like someone now? Like, cause I, I, well, I will say this, my issue was people would always say he would be a really good, I was always giving good advice, being a good counselor. Yeah. But what I was doing was trying to solve people's problems. And I think that's, I mean, just from a, and a, a relationship level, I mean, cause I think we're sometimes our best friends therapists sometimes. Um, so I would say I was the question would be, what advice would you give to someone who sees someone having issues with their mental health or where they are emotionally? Well, I tell people to go to therapy. <laughs> that's like <laughs> what I've told people recently. Yeah, just go. And my friends can just attest go. to that. Yeah. I've told a friend specifically, I'm mm-hmm. like, you need to go to therapy. I know you have these issues, okay. so you need to go talk to somebody. Mm. And they're like, oh, maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go. I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, mm. you should go. I feel like it would really benefit you, blah, mm. blah, blah. But this is like hindsight. This is yeah. me already going. I yeah. went before. I think I was the person who was like, yeah. I'm going to fix everyone's problems. Mm. But now I'm trying to be very objective and like trying to see all sides of an argument. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this is like, I'm asking, like, do you want advice or do you want me to just listen to you? Because I can do both. Like, I can tell you what I think you should do or shouldn't do, or I can just sit and listen to you complain. Either way, I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I think like I I think I mentioned earlier, I try to come up with a system like I used to do, do with my students is to be a listener for a period of time to validate what they're feeling, understand what they're feeling. Then I try to get them in a place of having gratitude, especially because a lot of it is just frustration and mm-hmm. feeling down and depressed mm-hmm. and just overwhelmed and just feeling hopeless, right? So I'm like, okay, well, let me hear it. Okay, um, I'm only gonna let you, I'm, I'd say it in my head. I'm only gonna let you talk this stuff for so long, yep. and you're gonna cut this out because I can't let you keep going down this negative path. Yeah. And then you understand, you validate, um, 
you uh, um what's a better word for love i'm i'm trying to to tell them what i see in them so i try to find the things that make them special mm-hmm. and remind them like okay you're you're a pretty neat person overall and let me tell you why mm-hmm. let me and i'm a whole time like god please help me find something to tell this child <laughs> yeah um uh, you have teachers that care about what or I mean, if it, even if it was my friends and then it's like okay gratitude mindfulness let's relax and then we have to problem solve yeah. because we can't keep doing the same things over and over again yeah because then they'll become kind of like a suck on your energy definitely they're always coming to you yeah. always coming to you. and it's you're the best listener let's go out girl let's go about the same thing i mm-hmm. think that's what i noticed that there's a pattern that's mm-hmm. when i was like okay like this is too much mm-hmm. like i don't want to keep talking to you about the same shit all the time mm-hmm. it's exhausting for me people mm-hmm. are going to stop talking to you because this is all you talk about mm-hmm. it's a number of things mm-hmm. so i don't know i always yeah, there's a person I know in particular. I'm like, you you need to go to therapy because w- we both yeah. know that there's issues. Like, we but both know that there's childhood trauma that this person has gone through. And here's the thing. That is so hard for some people to I face. Know. And I think that's why, you know, you want to be sensitive, but you got to under- – I understand. Just telling somebody to go to therapy, like, nah, I ain't unpacking that. Yeah. That was too painful. And I think even for me personally, like, when I first started going to therapy, I told her, I was like, I don't feel like I'm getting what I should be getting out of you. Mm. And she's like, why do you feel like that? And I was like, it's because I feel like I can't share. Like, I have this, like, weird thing with being vulnerable with people. Mm, So I was like, I don't want to tell you everything. I was Mm -hmm. like, and it's at the detriment to me. Mm -hmm. And so she was just like, well, we have time. Like, you know, we can unpack. But, like, slowly but surely, she'll, like, try to, like, and, like, She'll say, like, oh, what about your parents? Or, like, what happened and like, this? And mm-hmm. so that's how it no- eventually comes out. But th- I remember at the beginning, I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, it was the, I had that, plus I had the situation where they were like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, yeah. I ain't ready to make that change. Yeah. So not only is it to share and unpack these vulnerable things, but it's like, I kind of know what you're going to tell me yeah. and I'm not ready for that. Right. Yet. Yeah. I think, cause I think deep down, especially if it's like behavior that's reoccurrent mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, you know that you're doing these things mm-hmm. and you kind you kind of know what you can do to get yourself out of specific situations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like having to face that, mm-hmm. and actually do it mm-hmm. is like not really what a lot of people would want to do. Cause if you, if you wanted to do it, you would just do it. And, and a lot of it is stop, start, or continue. Yeah. There's something you have, there's some action that needs to be taken, but it's the process of understanding deep down the why. And then it goes back to what you already know. But I think to truly understand, and I'm just thinking about the few things that I know I need to work on, um, but I think about where the, where the seat of my anxiety lies and when I usually have panic attacks and why I have them. Um, for different reasons, but I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that from a kid. But like that was a long time ago. And mm-hmm. well, I would even say even just doing my swim stuff, like I get I get major anxiety just yeah. going to learn how to do these strokes. Yeah. But I remember I almost drowned as a kid. Yeah, I told Jess right? Yeah, I mean I almost drowned too. So, oh, it, was that the time you slid down? Yes. That traumatized you really bad. I thought you I were... didn't swim till I was 13. Oh, okay, I literally did I not swim until I was 13. I'm sorry, but um. And like everyone was just like, oh, like I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going in the pool. I'm not going to swim. And, did, did and I literally just taught my, I jumped in a pool and I just started swimming because oh, okay. I think I was like pressured. Mm-hmm. It was literally like at a softball end of the year thing. Mm-hmm. And we went to some girl's house and everyone was swimming. Mm-hmm. And I just decided like that was the moment I was going to uh, start swimming. So cool. Well, my thing is um, somebody was playing around. I, I was always not a good swimmer. Somebody was messing around and they grabbed me by my trunks and threw me, like drug me to the deep end. Mm-hmm. I told this story. I was flailing went under went under and the next thing i know my life started flashing before my eyes and and it was a short life so it wasn't much to see (laughs) but i remember i just i was just under the water and i just everything went just i just this peace just came over me like i guess i was ready to die and i saw myself at my funeral Mm -hmm. and i I saw myself it was open casket and everybody was around there and i'm like why am i this me the next thing i know somebody pulls me out the water yeah. And now, oops, sorry. So the next thing I know, somebody pulls me out the water. I didn't swim for a long time, but I overcame it. And then I got really comfortable. Um, I would jump into the deep end, not off a diving board, but I'd jump into the deep end, trail yeah. water, go to the edge, grab it. Um, I also had an issue at the beach with my stepdad 
again, it's like, he's like, come on, come with me, come out, let's go out. Like, no, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Just come on, let's go. Like he forced me to go out with him. So mm-hmm. I had, he, I was supposed to, he had me like, he had me like, you know, you, somebody jumps on your back mm-hmm. and big wave came, knocked me over. And all I can remember is being under the water, trying to look and trying to swim around. And he, and I, and I knew about undertow. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it out yeah. of this. Cause I didn't know how, I didn't even realize how far out I was. I probably yeah. wasn't even that far, but I was just under the water like this. And I didn't even know what direction was which. Right. So, and then he picked me up and I was coughing water and I said, I told you I didn't want to go. I told you I didn't want to go. And then it's for, for some reason it was my fault. Cause I didn't hang on tight enough. <laughs> so yeah, two traumas yeah. don't like water. So when I go, it's like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's the thing. It's like, but I'm like, I have to go. I have to go. But actually, I'm, I'm done going. I'm not going to go no more. <laughs> because well, weren't you also talking about, like, we were talking about, like, how childhood traumas happen, and you may not even know it happens, and then later in life, like, those things kind of come to fruition. Like, they affect... Weren't we just talking... Well, we weren't just talking about that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. It's like some certain things happen in your childhood and then like you maybe forget about it mm-hmm. you emotionally block it mm-hmm. and then you're an adult and then all these issues start arising mm-hmm. because of that stuff that mm-hmm. happened when you that's were very a kid. true that's so it's like that's i think that's the moment that you should start going to therapy because it's it's easy to not even realize why you're doing certain things that you're doing because you kind of emotionally block that and i also think honestly I feel like if you're a person of color, you should go to therapy because there's all kinds of... There's current things that are traumatizing oh, right now. yeah, definitely. I honestly wonder what the therapy scene is like right now. Like, obviously, it's a lot of, like, tele-conferencing mm-hmm. and stuff, but I'm, I'm curious to see, like, mm-hmm. how much that's risen just based on, like, people's anxieties and stuff. Yeah, I'd like to go back. <laughs> But, I know um, I haven't talked to my therapist. But but one thing you made a good point is that, you know, you should go like at the point where things occur, you should go back. But I, but that idea of suppression, suppressing those emotions and those issues, it works. It works for a lot of people. This is what works. So this is what I'm going to keep doing. So people do what works. So no, pushing it down. Going to ignore it. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's just move forward. It'll go away. And it's like, you know, you keep burying a weed. It's still, yeah. the roots are still down there. Yeah. It's still there. You see it up, oh, just going to cover it up with some dirt. Not mm-hmm. going to pull it. Not going to deal with this. Um, it can become very detrimental to your relationships. So yeah. your work, your well-being, yeah. your physical health. And I mean, there are people who say that therapy isn't for everybody. And I'm not saying this is a, you know, end all be all. It's therapy is the answer to everything. Um, I just don't know an alternative. I can, I couldn't suggest an alternative. And I think this is what I think works personally. You were talking about how, um, what is the, what kind of like the block and, and culturally mm-hmm. the block to go to therapy where a lot of people would just say, hey, you need to steer yourself more towards, more into your faith. So if there were behaviors that were occurring that were detrimental the people would see, hey, you're, you're not acting right. You're drinking too much. You're partying too much. You're doing things. You need to get back to church. You need to find the Lord. You need to do these things. So, yeah, but that, that's, I think that was part of it. The idea that there is an alternative to therapy and it's faith and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, there are processes you probably can engage, can engage in yourself and you might be able to find, you know, resources online or you might have a friend that can say, hey, I tried this or I tried meditating or deep breathing or taking walks or exercising um anything anything is is good but you know if issues continue it's probably a good idea to seek out a professional yeah especially if you have insurance yeah and i think there's there's other alternatives you know like there's like talk space or there's like apps that you can utilize it doesn't have to necessarily be through you know, I guess like through your insurance per se, like there are different ways. Like I've heard of people who've used like talk space and stuff if they were waiting to see someone. So I think those are good, good options. Yeah. Um, is there any other advice that you think about therapy or if someone is like kind of hesitant to go to therapy? You know, no two people, no two people will have the same experience. So I know some people say I had a really good therapist and you can refer them and that may not work out. I would just say if you have a means to just try it, like I, I did bring up insurance, but I know everybody doesn't have insurance. Yeah. So um, just see what options are available if you're employed, if your employer has an employee assistance program. 
um, at least to get the foot in the door so you can understand what it entails. You have to kind of see for yourself because someone's good experience can be your negative experience. Right. Versa. Yeah. I think also like kind of doing your research, don't really take the first therapist that your insurance company recommends. Like I did thorough research mm-hmm. where I was like, I want this, my therapist to be in this location, to be like this ethnicity, mm. you know, this gender. There's like all kinds of filters that you can use in your search to find someone who you think might be best for you. Mm. And as I mentioned, you know, like one size doesn't fit all. You might need to visit a few just mm-hmm. to have the right fit. And it's okay if someone isn't your right fit. Have you had to like break up with a therapist? Have you had to tell them that you didn't want to go to them anymore? Um, yeah, it's happened. What was that like? Th- that was interesting because that was a group situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking to the person I was going with. I don't want to give all the business out, but, you know, I was going with someone. And I was like, this, is, this doesn't seem right. It's like I like what he's saying. And I took some good things from what I experienced with that person. Just didn't seem the right fit. Just his attitude and some of the things he would say. And I mean, he very nonchalant, but I, I thought the issues were more serious and I wanted to really, you know, I was hoping that the conversations that were had would be more, you know, just yeah, more involved. And that's, again, my experience. It was biased. It was with a family member. So, yeah, um, yeah I did, I, and it's OK. Yeah. You feel kind of bad because they yeah. invest all this time and they get you in and yeah. they fit you in their schedule. But they, that's their job and it's nothing yeah, personal. I don't think they take it personally. Nothing they totally personal. understand. And, and I took some good ideas from that person as yeah. well. So, All right. Um, I think that's probably it I think that for is. our therapy episode. Uh, if you can, try it. I mean, if it doesn't work, definitely try to find something. But I think kind of our messaging is like try to find an outlet to help you deal with your problems if you have problems or just even having an opportunity to talk to somebody. No, I do. I do want to add one thing. And I thought about this, especially with being quarantined and just the shift in our culture and our society and things we have to do. You you will probably end up in situations that will force you to pay attention to your mental health. And it's like you will be in situations where you can always kind of ignore it or you'll be preoccupied with other things. But, um, you know, you just come across these situations like, you know, what, I can't ignore this any longer. So just pay attention to the signs and get help when you when you know you need it yeah i think that's good advice um this is probably the last episode with my dad for a while because i'm going back to oakland um but there should be new episodes coming every other monday um so yeah make sure you guys subscribe share with a friend uh, message us if there's anything that you have questions about or any topics you want to be talked about um i will talk to you guys in a couple weeks.